Five-Year Mission, the podcast, episode 18. This episode of Five-Year Mission, the podcast is brought to you by Fansets, your home for all things pop culture pin related. Head over to fansets.com and see all that they have to offer. And also stay tuned at the end of the episode for a very special offer from us here at Five-Year Mission. By now you've figured out that this is the Five-Year Mission podcast. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast. Welcome to Five Year Mission, the podcast. Go away. This is Five Year Mission, the podcast. <laughs> I'm Chris. I'm joined by Mike, Mike, and Andy, aka Fark. Don't care. Or what was it? What's your thing? <laughs> Fark is unimpressed. Fark is unimpressed. Fark is unimpressed. Don't care. Fark don't care. Whatever, Coco. <laughs> So you said it, Army Ninja. Tonight, well, I guess you could be listening to this anytime, really. So this episode. Whatever day, time of day you're listening to this. That's right. Whatever time of day you're listening to this. Whether you're on your way to work or you're at work or you're on your way home from work. Probably not when you're at. Well, I guess you could do it when you're at work. I mean. Yeah. Who doesn't? I mean, everybody's working from home now anyway. Everybody's working for the weekend. Lover you could blast it from home. Like, just turn it up. Because nothing. Like Freedom Rock. Yeah. And I mean, you think our music sounds good loud. You should just hear our voices talking in our, just conversational tones loud. Our dulcet tones. So hey, what are we talking about tonight, guys? <laughs> I mean, at this time on this episode. We are going to talk about underrated, well, what we figure are underrated, underappreciated TOS episodes. The unsung episodes, if you will. I will. I will, too. Because... <laughs> We've each chosen an episode, Andy and Mike and myself, and we're going to talk about, we're going to defend it. We're going to talk about why we think it, uh, it deserves a higher rank in the echelon of Star Trek Ooh, TOS. Good like word. That? Yeah. Now spell it. <laughs> E-S-C-H-E-L-O-N, right? I think so. Yeah, look it up. No. <laughs> so what what are we going to start with, Fark? I think we're going to start with you, right? Well, I, I I would like to say that I thought long and hard about this, but I really didn't because I know often it gets overlooked or it's like, "Uh, this guy again." <laughs> I went with I Mud because I loved I Mud. It's a it's a second season episode. It's like it was like halfway in between. It was like the it was like the midway point of season 2. And I thought it was fantastic. It's a little nice little nugget of comedic gold. And plus, you get to see everybody dance. That's 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 in there. So this is a quirky episode. It's very quirky. I just love that they started it off with. They never explained it away how the android wound up on the Enterprise and actually was able to get a job. Crewman Norman. Yeah, no, Crewman Norman. Yeah, he apparently he uh, just joined the enterprise crew like 72 hours earlier or something yeah and then and then like bones was actually actually right to kind of be be suspicious of him because initially like in the opening scene he's talking to spock and he was like he was like something weird about crewman norman and it's like what what is that i don't trust a man that that doesn't smile he doesn't like him at all which is hilarious that he was saying out to spock well bones as acerbic as he is is usually fairly laid back and easygoing 
Yeah. You know, sort of a, sort of a, a jovial butthole. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I think that was foreshadowing, but not very subtle foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. Something about that guy. Yeah. Kind of robotic. When, when you see Norman talking like later in the episode, he's so clearly robotic and an Android. Like how did he fake his way past whatever security measures to get on the enterprise as an officer you know like, it raises the question <laughs> what i mean how easy is it to get assigned to the flagship <laughs> right you know? hey, because if, if if barkley can do it anyone can do it right? <laughs> it seems like there there there's some loopholes in in the ascending the ranks <laughs> on star trek there might be some some loopholes in there because he yeah, was I didn't, I didn't, I can't remember what rank he was, but he was wearing command, wasn't he? Just, or no, he, he was, was, he's just crewman. They never, oh, they, they never, crewman. oh, okay. But he okay. was, he was so dressed in blue. I did, but again, a, a crewman for some odd reason is able to get, okay, A, get a job on the Enterprise, and then B, somehow just immediately make his way into auxiliary controls and to be able to take over the ship. <laughs> yeah. And and also after that, get into engineering and fully take over the ship. You know, this episode has some of... Now, I know that he is an android and has superior strength, but it has some of the most hilarious like karate chop knockout oh, yeah. fight scenes <laughs> in the series he, well in he walks into that auxiliary engineering and just karate in, in, engineering uh, it's not even a the... hard chop either it's just like <laughs> it's like he just taps him on the neck and then the guy falls over excuse me ah, it's like one of those fainting goats yeah so that was that you know it has it has the funny fight scenes it has uh it, it reminds me a lot of plato's stepchildren where they have where they're just the characters are doing very weird things that they wouldn't normally yeah. do. And this has it mm -hmm. as well, which I think just that in of itself raises the level, you know, because it's just mm -hmm. something that we don't normally see out of the crew. Um, you know, oh man, Shatner is just chewing up scenery in this. Yeah. This oh, throughout the whole thing, which is not unusual, but as, as they're play acting and trying to confuse the androids, it's really funny because they're all getting into it. And I thought that was great. Well, even, well yeah, even, even Spock at the end. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is a, another one of those Kirk talks the computer to death episodes. It is. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And even I mean, in this and, one, yeah. the, is it, uh, Norman, you know, when he's talking to him and trying to confuse him and just the smoke starts coming out yeah. of his car. <laughs> the classic cartoon robot does not yeah. compute. So I, I looked this up um, on a couple lists and it falls in the mid thirties, usually as far as rankings go from one to, uh, they're one usually to 79. 79. They usually don't rank yeah. the cage. But um, so that's not I mean, that's not bad. No, but it's all it seems to me like it's just kind of a I can take it or leave it. Kind you know, of thing. It's, yeah, exactly. At like 34, 35, it's just kind of a throwaway, like whatever. <laughs> you know, it's it's not great. It's not terrible. Was Mud's Women higher than this one? No, uh, uh, not when I look. I was going to say, because I, I always thought this was the better Harry Mud episode. Yeah, I agree. I think it is, too. It's it has more. 
just has more life to it. Yeah. Well, they were able to let Harry Mudd shine a little bit more as like his little scoundrel self. Yeah. Kirk, old boy. Yeah. Well, and they also, one thing about this episode with the dynamic between Harry and, um, oh, what's his wife's name? Stella. Stella, Stella. yeah. Yeah, with Stella. Hot? Yes, it's very much of the time, I think. And especially because he he seems to get such pleasure out of <laughs> telling her to shut up. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, yeah. It's not really her. It was, it's basically just like a punching bag or like scream yeah. therapy or something. It's like, it's, it's yeah. like you, I got to get this out of my system. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you wouldn't, I don't, you wouldn't see something like that today because even if, no. you know, even if uh, a husband was, had an overbearing wife, uh, like this is what they were trying to portray. But even if, you know, now I don't think they would do it in quite the same manner. No, not at all. So it's, you know, you definitely have that. That's definitely a product of the time. Yeah. What Andy, what do you think, um, what elevates this one for you? This one for me, because it was a, it was great that they actually utilized like the ensemble cast that was like beamed down mm-hmm. to the planet. Because I mean, oh, yeah. you, because you, you find out that the entire crew of the Enterprise has been beamed down to the planet, just not within the same confines as like Kirk and Spock and McCoy and it, it was really eventually Scotty that they put all the all of the yeah. main officers in one room and minus Sulu, yeah, the rest of the crew yeah. is somewhere else. Yeah, no, I thought I, I thought it was great because like they 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 were able to let like Uhura shine, they were able to let Chekhov shine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spock, of course, played like a huge role in you know <clears throat> figuring out that they're like all the androids are basically daisy chained together and lead back to Norman. Yeah. Oh, you know, when I was watching it, it really made me think of the collective. You know, like the Borg collective. Yeah, and yeah. it made me wonder if. That might have been kind of a jump they off might point for the board. Retcon that at some point, <laughs> you know. Uh, you never know. Actually, uh, I was thinking that with the whole like artificial life uh, that's trying to like they're plotting to like take over the galaxy. Mm-hmm. It's almost like maybe it's a prequel to Picard. Like maybe the artificial life that they were trying to contact oh, yeah. were these mm-hmm. androids. Like maybe this is the start of it. Yeah, that's interesting. Could I didn't be. think about that. Because the androids <clears throat> on uh, Picard, I mean, they're kind of a similar modern-day model of mm-hmm. those type of androids. Mm-hmm. Well, Norman even even says um, as like they're as like after he reveals to Mud that he was like he was like, no, Mud, you're staying here too because you know humans are really really flawed. You more so than others. Yeah. But we are we're we're basically going to take over this star, this starship and we're going to go out and we're going to teach humans to be like better in the world. And so basically that's like an early version of like assimilation. It's like it's like you're going to do what we tell you to do from now on. So yeah. it's very like early stages Borg-esque. I mean, I, I think a lot of people tend to forget that because so many people like, okay, the majority of modern Star Trek fans seem to write off TOS as like cheesy. Mm-hmm. And so a lot, yeah. like a, a lot of people I come across in Star Trek groups, um, like don't even watch TOS like, Oh, it's 60s, 60s camp. Blah, blah, blah. Right. But you can, you can kind of see like 
I can maybe see where they got this in like DS9 or TNG mm-hmm. from this. So it's, it's basically just like just like these days when like I see people that listen to nothing but like modern day mumble rap and it's like, oh yeah, you're listening to like NWA or Run DMC or like Cool Modi or anything like that. I don't even know who that is. It's like <laughs> go back and study where all this came from. Learn to learn to at least appreciate the originals. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I mean, I used to have the same attitude towards the original series. I thought it was really campy and it is, but it's not without deep story, you know, even though it is, it's not serialized, but a lot of these capsule, you know, capsule episodes have some really strong stuff in there. Yeah. Which had been basically back, back in the sixties, like that was like television was just bottle episodes. You didn't really see like an ongoing storyline. You might, you might get a callback now and then, but mm-hmm. yeah, you're not, you're not going like on, on like a game of Thrones type journey back yeah. in, back in the sixties. Yeah. I mean, it is shrouded in a lot of, you know, goofiness and obviously bright colors and low, you know, they didn't have a lot of money. So yeah, to go to a planet, it's like a blue background and some fake trees, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you know, is if you can look past that, then there's actually a lot of good stuff in there. Oh, absolutely. If, if you're lucky, they'll go to the park from shore leave. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can't, they, they, they can't afford to shoot on location every single time. Yeah. <laughs> so this was one of the episodes that we chose for tonight that we've actually, we have a song for. Yeah, Patrick's song. I think Patrick did a really great job translating this episode Absolutely. into a song. Oh, Just, totally. You know, getting the feel of it mm-hmm. and translating the feel of the episode, plus all these callbacks to lines in the in that yeah. actually happen in the episode. No, actually, and most of the lyrics are lines from the episode. Yeah, they mm-hmm. really are. And just you really get a feel for the relationship between Stella and mud. And mm-hmm. it's just, I, I think this is one of, I, I really like the song that, that yeah. Patrick wrote for this. And it's a good song. Like, I mean, it's fun to listen to. It's not just good lyrics, yeah. but like it's fun to play. And it is fun to yeah. play. Yeah. And real quick from uh, just a f- couple little factoids from it, from memory alpha, uh david gerald actually did a did an uncredited rewrite on this mm-hmm. episode um and oh, really? uh, w- one of the significant changes that he made uh at gene coon's request uh was to get the crew uh, the onto faster. the planet by, by the by, by the end of the first act yeah mm. and then uh also uh the opening scene like before before, before the opening credits roll is actually uh the longest in the original series to like to, to go on before the, the opening credits roll. Oh, really? At five minutes and 35 seconds. The it's longest the longest teaser. opening teaser scene. Interesting. Yeah. I, I read mm-hmm. all of these facts earlier today, so I kind of <laughs> have them all in my head. Yeah, I just thought I, I just thought that that was great that the like they had to they just it just shows like rewriting can really like work <clears throat> on the pacing of an episode. Do you, you guys notice how terrible Kirk's hair looks in this episode? Oh, absolutely! It it looks like he hasn't washed it in a month. <laughs> <laughs> like mine? I didn't notice. No, that. I mean it's like really like some some of the strands on the side are just like super greasy and like curl out and <laughs> it's just, all matted. it just looks like. Like they didn't really try to style his hair. 
<laughs> Poor Shatner. Poor Shatner. Uh, this the episode also one the, the the great things about it is it it features uh, like the classic Bones and Spock bickering. Like oh, at, at, at the beginning, like that whole opening scene is like the two of them, like arguing and calling each other names. Twenty-eared hobgoblin. <laughs> <laughs> also, you know the 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 uh, sets on the planet are like pretty cool looking and kind. I mean, they look like sets from the original series. Like, I mean, let, let's be honest. Every alien yeah. planet they go to is similar. <laughs> well, but this this set it was like simple, like simple in design with like all that like all straight lines and everything, and more boxy than anything else. It really worked considering the planet was built for androids, and it was like the most efficient. Yeah, yeah. it's like so, so they really didn't need any kind of like sense of decor or anything like that. It's like now nah, we just we just work here, man. And that's all it is. Yeah, I, I think Star Trek original series was always at its best scenery wise when they were inside rather oh, than yeah. outside. Yeah. Well, unless you count the, uh, the remastered versions where they actually like oh, yeah. digitally created alien worlds. Cause those look fantastic, but that's, they do, but that's like modern day effects. <laughs> yeah. But they didn't eyes. do it for, you know, they didn't flesh out everything. I mean, the city in, um, Operation Annihilate, you know, they fleshed that out. But, you mm -hmm. know, you, you watch, I don't know, S Squire of Gothos, you watch Metamorphosis, those still have, you know, in the outdoor scenes, it's just like this purpley kind of background. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's well, it kind of, you know, like there's some kind of light source down there and it fades up into darkness. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen either one of those. I think Gothos is more like this gray sky, but whatever. So I'm 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 sold on that one. I think I mean I liked yeah. that one anyway. Yeah, but I was actually surprised I, I think, that you picked it, Andy, because I always considered this to be like one of the better episodes. But I, agree. I guess that's kind of a not not the the common opinion. No, no, because yeah. I see I, I I see people crapping on this episode left and right on in like in like facebook star trek groups uh -huh. it's like oh there's two mud episodes and i skip them skip them both though every single time it's like really why what do you do do you, do you just hate fun <laughs> there shouldn't be any skipping you should watch no, every episode that's right at least once well yeah <laughs> i think my favorite moment in that whole episode is when they're all laughing and then kirk goes like this like he swipes his hands and everyone moves his hands like stop and suddenly Everyone's he's really serious yeah yeah he's so. definitely the one in charge so that's i mud i think we've established that i think there's still a lot of better episodes yeah i, I think it deserves a little bit more kudos a little more than credit than it deserves if, it, if yeah. it's been a while gets, since you say. saw it you should watch yeah. it again yep i agree watch and laugh at the antics <laughs> So, Chris, what did you pick since since you're technically next in the production order with your pick? Okay, so I chose The Way to Eden. <sighs> and the reason I chose this episode is because as so it's easy to write this one off because it's the quote unquote space hippies episode. <laughs> but, you know, it plays with the idea 
of following mindlessly behind an idea, you know? Mm -hmm. So this, this group of, of space hippies, they're looking for this planet that may or may not exist. And, you know, Spock says he believes them and he thinks that it probably does exist, but you know, how do you find it? And they're willing to go to, they're willing to do anything to find this place, but they don't even know that it exists. They just believe it. It's this whole faith thing. Yeah, it's blind faith. Yeah, it's blind faith. And it's supposed to be this, you know, Eden, which, hence the episode, it's supposed to be this utopia. It's supposed to be the Eden. And I think they handle it so well because they really show the lengths to which these people will go. They don't care about anybody but themselves. And they, they're just so driven to get to this mythical place, this mythical planet, that they just do whatever they want. And I think that's, I just think the the whole idea behind it is is something that we don't see explored very often no. or as often as maybe it should be in this context. And at the time, you know, in the 60s, when this, when this was released, um, I would think that that would be somewhat subversive if you think of it that way, especially if you think of it, which this, it was almost as if it like organized religion, you know? Where, mm -hmm. you know, that's not something that you would uh, necessarily talk about in a negative way on a TV yeah. show, but they found a way to do it, you know, and really make a point out of it. And obviously, the point goes over a lot of people's heads, I think, because people don't like the episode just because it is the camp level is high. Oh, very, very you know? high. And, but this is also this is the episode where. Uhura sings with Spock. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. Uh, or is this? No, it's the uh, Spock sings with um, the he, space hippies. He, he plays the ship his, with the bicycle wheel. Does he just play? He doesn't sing. No, there's no. no there's he no, doesn't, he sing. doesn't sing. The only okay. person who sings is Charles Napier. Oh yeah, that's right. Okay, <laughs> which he's great. <laughs> yeah, actually, uh, he's he's really great in this episode, and it's a really out of character character for charles napier like yeah if he watches mm -hmm. other work like throughout the 70s and 80s and 90s like he is not that kind and of also a, on a deep space nine deep space nine and little green men mm -hmm. uh, he, he plays the, uh, the general, the general right? yeah and I, yeah. I mean that's the kind of character he usually plays like the the tough yeah. as nails general who the, the army hard ass yeah but like in this episode like he, he is just not that at all. He's this smiling, goofy guy that is always yeah. holding this guitar-looking thing and singing yeah. everything he says. I think, yeah, that, brother. <laughs> I think that they really played up the whole hippie thing. I think they, oh, yeah, well, I think they over, they may have overdone that a little bit. Well, considering this was also released in 1969. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they were definitely trying to cash in. I mean, considering they, they brought in Chekhov because of the popularity of the monkeys. Yeah. They wanted a Mickey Dolan's type. So they brought him in. Yeah. So this one, when I looked it up, this one is generally in the 70s. So that's it, ridiculous to me because I mean, this is, this is in like my top, this is in my, my top like 15. Really? I think it's. Oh yeah, I, I think it's it's a fun episode. I do think they kind of uh, it may be a little bit heavy-handed, um, and also it's a little bit absurd that this group of like 
five or six hippies take over the enterprise. Yeah. yeah. You'd think that the enterprise would have well, some. They, they distracted level everybody of with their kindness and music. That's right. <laughs> Just like regular hippies. Yeah. So uh, that part is, you know, I don't know about that, but it, I don't think it takes away from the episode so much that it, 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 it deserves such a low spot, you know? No, I mean, yeah, this, the, the music is really, really goofy. And I, th- I think that's why yeah. a lot of people don't like it. Cause it's like, Oh, this is dumb. I eat up all the fruit and throw away the rind. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah. that music makes this episode absolutely unique from all oh, of yeah. the other episodes of the original series. There's that's nothing, true. there's no other episode like this one. That's true. Oh, it, it was Charlie X at Uhura Sings, right. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, and then Spock plays in this one. Can Can we talk about Chekhov's eyeshadow in this episode <laughs> for a moment? Uh, it is so distracting that you can't even really pay attention to what he's saying in that scene where he's talking to the girl. Like somebody went to town. I don't remember. Somebody that. went to town. Oh wait, is this this is the one where uh, he doesn't he know that girl? Yeah, From, yeah. They they they, they were at they, yeah. they were at uh, Star, Starfleet Academy together. Yeah, yeah and she she quit right. to become a space hippie. Yeah, and mm-hmm. now he's on the Enterprise. Irina. Yeah. Well, oh. the other thing I like about this episode is that not only does it show, uh, you know, this the zealots and what you know what can happen when they follow this, this intangible dream, mm-hmm. but it also shows what, ha- what the reality, you know, what yeah. they find at the end of this rainbow. Mm-hmm. It's not but, what they thought it was going to be. Right. Your and, world, this world is dying and you'll die too. If you stay yeah. on it. And this guy, um, who's the, what's the guy's name? Uh, Dr. Severin. And yeah, let's, let's just for a second. Let's, let's just, I, I'd like to say that is a, he gives a fantastic performance as I, I agree, agree. he's the, great. The actor's name is Skip Homier, mm-hmm. and Ooh. he's just really good in this episode. He has a really good presence, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially at the very beginning when Spock is greeting them, and it's and that's you know another thing I really like about this episode is Spock shows a lot of respect <clears throat> towards them, despite yeah. the fact that he doesn't understand necessarily or agree with what they're doing but he gets what they're he he understands what they're trying to do and he's this this episode spock really displays his ability to have empathy even yeah. though he doesn't necessarily feel you know this episode is a great representation of the whole like idic like mentality that like yeah. that the, 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 the Vulcans possess because it's like mm-hmm. it's like yeah I realize that your religion is bullshit but I'm gonna I I I because like with, with most religions in the world it's like it's like yeah there's some good ideas thrown in there but there's always gonna be like a little drawback here or there and like a few like offshoots that there that, that that people are just gonna be like yeah that's a little too much. Because and plus, like like I said, considering this was 1969 with the whole hippie movement and everything too, this was also like right around the time when like cults were getting really big. Yeah, with, like, like the like, like Charles the Manson, and like Manson, the Manson family, yeah. and everything, and uh, yeah. yeah, and so they were everywhere. So like, and I thought this was like like looking back at it now, I'm sure like a lot of people were kind of making the connection like while it was airing. It's like this is like what's happening in Colorado or whatever, and. Uh, 
yeah, I thought it, I, I think it's still a really great representation of like how just being like a true follower doesn't, doesn't always like work out in the end. Yeah. And I think they also, with the, with the doctor, they highlight that these people are following him. They believe in him and what he believes in. Mm -hmm. But in the end you realize he's not right. Like he is, he has the ability to, he has this ability to lead and he has this presence that, that draw people in but what he's going after, it's just an idea, you know? Mm-hmm. And when he finds that this, when his, his, this idea is shattered, he still, when he knows it's going to kill him and he, he does it anyway. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's, I just, I just think this episode deserves a lot more credence than it gets because oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, it does not have a happy ending, you know? No. I mean, these people, what are they going to do? I mean, what are they going to do now? Their leader's dead and everybody just, I don't understand why it doesn't get, I do understand why people don't like it, but I think it really deserves another look. And also my favorite part about this episode is that they call everybody Herbert. (laughs) Like instead of calling them the man, they just Mm -hmm. call him Herbert. And that is hilarious to me. Because, because, you know, Uh, one we are one and one is the one is the beginning one right i i think that the 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 hippie words that they made up are a little distracting like (laughs) they they just kind of reach brother they're they're pretty silly like you know i I feel like they almost overuse them but since it's only in the one episode uh, you know it's not that bad but like if they were in several episodes it would get old really quick I, I like I like Herbert and I like Reach, but there were some other ones that it was it was like they're trying too hard. Yeah. Oh yeah. For um, sure. So uh, similar to the karate chop to the neck and eye mud, this episode also <laughs> has a very funny way of knocking a guy out by using your thumbs and just poking him in the side of the neck. Oh yeah, because that wouldn't hurt your thumbs. <laughs> oh, at all. <laughs> but, yeah, he didn't even do it hard. He just walked up and just like taps the guy with his thumbs, and the guy falls out of the chair. Yeah, it's pressure it's, pressure points, man. Mm, pressure points without pressure. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I just I, I I was just looking over over Memory Alpha, and I I'd forgotten about the lyrics to one of the songs that 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 Adam sang. There was a stiff man putting my mind in jail, and the judge gonna bang the gavel and say no bail. Gonna oh, lick his hand and wag my tail. <laughs> yeah, brother. God. You know, interestingly enough, uh, James Doohan did not like this episode. I'm not sure why. Yeah, he he yeah. he said it was his least favorite, right? I think it, he said it was the only one he didn't like. <laughs> which is wow. weird. I wonder why. There's got to be After some Wolf reason. in the Fold, and he still like he didn't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Wolf in the Fold is like his starring episode, man. I know. I'm just that's why I said that. He deserves at least a two minute song. <laughs> at least. I know, right? <laughs> <sighs> so uh this is also the one where um uh you get Chekhov's middle name. Both of actually I think it's the first mention of his first name. And his middle name. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think you're right. 
What's it, what's his middle name? I can't remember. Andreevich. Yeah, it starts with an A. Oh yeah, right? That, that's right. That was a, that was one of those uh, the, the 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 real or fake questions that I asked you on a oh, previous yeah. episode, Mike. <laughs> Full I circle. Remembered that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was also uh, originally written by DC Fontana, but uh, af- after all the rewrites, she didn't she didn't she wasn't happy with the script, so she uh, used her pseudonym, her another pseudonym actually, <laughs> uh, Michael Michael Richards. <laughs> What? Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, because they, because she, she had to she had to go by DC because it's like ooh women writers, so she just went by DC to make it a little more oh, yeah. neutral, yeah. right? So yeah, her her pseudonym is a man's name, Michael Richards. Interesting. Huh. That's uh-huh. funny. Yeah. So I think this one is definitely better in the set than the seventies. You know, maybe it's mid level. I mean, I mean, there are better episodes, but I think it's definitely. I mean. It's definitely better than... It's got to be higher than the empath. Yeah. <laughs> and Lights of Sitar. <laughs> well, and plus, it's it's definitely one it of the more... Like, what's, what's, what's great about this episode is, like, whether you like the episode or not, it's definitely one of the most memorable episodes of TOS. Like, like, like oh, the, the Way to Eden? Oh, the Space Hippie episode. Yeah, yeah exactly. Everybody knows you know. Is. Yeah. And this is actually... This is the only song that we have written so far for year five. And I had fun with it. Noah has submitted two songs, Chris. He has? Yeah. I haven't heard him. Submitted where? Check your email from November. (laughs) Yeah. It was a a while back. Yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah. You know what? I do remember that. You're right. (laughs) But one of them, we don't, he he said he wasn't sure about and he was probably going to change. So yeah, that doesn't count. (laughs) You know, Noah, we'll get four brand new songs. And then we'll get four more brand new songs, <laughs> and we'll have a Spock's Brain album. Yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how this band works. So the the makeup in this episode is pretty good, right? Like all of the space hippies look look pretty decent. Uh-oh. Yeah, uh, you know Deborah Downey looks super cute, right? And uh, you know the guy's ears, the doctor guy's ears are pretty interesting or something yeah the bald cap is not too fake looking but what about <laughs> purple hair guy like oh yeah <laughs> like could they have tried a was also harder to make it look real because he just does not look realistic he was the percussionist of the, the space hippies he was like <laughs> he was like a one a one-man drum circle but it wasn't just that he had like this fake looking purple hair oh yeah but he had the <laughs> like eyebrows the too yeah. in the far back hairline yeah, it, too. Was, it was like a, a, a hair bald cap thing that like came all the way down to his eyebrows and yeah that guy was interesting like <sighs> everyone else looked decent and then that guy just looks like you know like a high school play hey man i still i, I still want to know what the, the the little metals on their on their things that look like that look like eggs were that have the little infinity symbol on them yeah, they look. They they look like look like a look like a fried egg. Yeah, they never really explain those way. Like this oh, is yeah. the symbol of our people. I don't know. Did they say that? Or no, did they, 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 they never did. No, they, they, they never they, they never even referenced them. They're all wearing them, but they never mention them. I see. Yeah, you're right. Interesting. <laughs> it must be the symbol of their cult or whatever. Because they're one. Oh, you, you know, maybe that's tr- yeah. Maybe that is because oh. they are one. Well, considering the hand gesture is like a triangle, you'd think yeah. their symbol would be a triangle. Yeah, you would think. And and Mike mentioned it, Deborah Downey's in this episode. She is actually from Indiana, 
Mm-hmm. She still lives here, doesn't she? Uh, as far as I know, yeah. Yeah. We've we've, her we've met her met her a couple times at Starbase Indy. Mm-hmm. And she even she she would even pose for photos with her with the with the the bicycle wheel. That's right. Yeah, bicycle wheel, <laughs> which is an instrument, apparently. Yes. So, and which actually sounds an awful lot like a bass guitar type instrument when she plays it. It's like pretty low notes. <laughs> when she plays it. <laughs> yeah. With Spock, yeah. But it doesn't, I mean, they, it could be a bass guitar for all we know that actually makes the sound. You got to use your imagination, Chris. I'm sure it's probably some kind of synthesizer or something. Suspense of bicycle wheel belief. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sorry. Didn't mean to ruin it. So, Mike, let's talk about your episode. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, what so, is typically looked at as the worst Star Trek episode. <laughs> is it? Of, which, of the which, original series. Which I have some, some things to say about it after, after watching it today. It's something. Is, is it considered like the worst? I, I didn't think it was the worst. One of, one of the worst. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's one of the yeah. worst. Yeah. I looked at a couple lists today and it was dead last. Really? Yeah. That's surprising considering like the alternative factor and Cat's Paw are both out there. Man, Cat's Paw is not that bad of an episode. I, I love the alternative factor. It's ridiculous. It's way better than the Empath and Mark of Gideon and and the Savage Curtain. <laughs> the Savage Curtain is just funny. The lights of Zetar when it's when it's not supposed to be. It's not good. <laughs> that's, that's probably my least favorite episode. I would actually, I, have, I, I would say Cat's Paw is in the top thirty. Well, let's get back to <laughs> Turnabout Intruder is the episode that, that we're talking about. The last episode of the original series. Well, and interestingly, this, you know, it's, it doesn't, you know, a lot of shows have a, like a farewell episode, or this is the, you know, series finale, right. but they didn't, they were hoping that they would be up for another season and they didn't yeah. get that. So they just have this, this is like their final episode. Well, also in the sixties, they didn't really, they usually didn't make a final episode of anything. Shows just went until they ended and they just, stopped yeah, but them. they still had some of them still had like, you know, the, some closure. Yeah. <laughs> or at least some kind of like, okay, the, you know, we're doing this and it'll continue, but you won't get to see it. You know, that kind of thing. Right. But this didn't have that. It was just one of those <laughs> bottle episodes and so it was something. Obviously we need the first thing we should even talk about is the obvious elephant in this episode. Misogyny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, the you know the the short sighted failed attempt at addressing sexism, which really really missed the mark. Oh well, my god! Know, especially some of those lines is like, no, you know, you're going to have to learn to learn to know what it's like to live alone as a woman. Yeah. It's like, ooh, <laughs> come on, dude. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of Ron cringy Barry, stuff in this episode. Ronberry actually said, you know, he was because people tried to soften it and say, well, this is what you were trying to do. And he's like, no, it was just sexist. Nope. Just totally yeah. sexist. So that's, you know, that is a big mark against this episode. And I think from, you know, what I've seen, it's one of the major points that people say, this is why it's the absolutely. Yeah. And, and I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, we could, we can explain away like, 
you know, fan made up reasons for why they say the mm-hmm. things they say or whatever. But I mean, you know, in the end, it's just, it was not ahead of its time. Like most of Star no, Trek no. usually is. It was unusually not ahead of its time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because the, the crazy thing is that with like, with like the character of, is, is it Janice Lester? Yes. Was that yeah. her name? Okay. Yeah. With her character, like, it's kind of hard to tell like what they were going for. It's it's like, is, did they make her crazy because she's crazy or did they make her crazy because she's a woman? Right. That's the thing because it, 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 well, at certain points you can tell she's, she is just kind of mentally unstable. And and, I didn't, but like at other points, it's like, it's like, uh, they're just doing this because there's like, Oh, women, but bitches be tripping. Right. That's and, basically and, it. In the episode, they kind of allude to the fact that she's this way because she was denied the opportunity to be a captain. And yeah. because of that, she has like fallen blames, into this. She blames Kirk yeah. for it. Yeah. And that's, that's why obsession. she. It's almost, yeah. She has this obsession with revenge. I didn't think that she was so much crazy because she was a woman. It was more that she was crazy because of, well, crazy is a very, is not a good term. No, it's not a good term. No. Right. But what, uh, she, she mentally unstable. Yeah. The reason why she is, she is, has this difficulty <laughs> is because she just, she isn't dealing well with the way society has treated her mm-hmm. because she's a woman, but Kirk specifically says that she hates that she's a woman or either she hear the doctor. Somebody says it and I'm just like, Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. She hates that she's a, yeah. And I'm just, which maybe that character does, but that's, that's a lot. That's, yeah. that's a heavy thing to say. <laughs> so I'm, I'm certainly not trying to uh, forgive the obvious mistakes made in this episode, or trying to explain it away or whatever. Um, but I thought that I would choose this episode because it does have a few redeeming qualities as an episode of Star Trek. You know, it has, it has some good, some good parts in it as well. If you overlook the terrible well, aspects of it. One of the, I think one of the best parts about this episode, which up until now, you didn't really ever see this. So Kirk and Janice, the doctor, what's her last name? Lester. Lester. Lester, yeah. Um, she, they basically switch bodies. Yeah. And so Kirk is in the body of this woman and, and Janice Lester is in the body of Kirk. And they have this, <clears throat> this trial, this, you know, sham trial. And Spock stands up to Kirk. Now, you know, he knows that it's not Kirk, but that the interaction is, I just love it, man. The way Spock stands up because Spock is usually very, he's very, you know, he's very logical, very straightforward, but you never see him confrontational, you know, not really. And in this episode, he just stands up and he's like, no, you're wrong. I'm standing behind what I believe and there's no, you know, I, just, I think it's just, I just think it's really cool the way they did that. Yeah, it, it's, it's very interesting. I mean, there've been other episodes where he's had to stand up to Kirk, but 
it was it's different it, in this one. Yeah, it was a little more obvious to the other people that he needed to. And this one, up until that point where Kirk's well, uh, well, Janice Lester starts to kind of flip out, and yeah, and they start to see that he's not really Kirk. I mean, up until that point, Spock just seems like he's out of his mind. Like, yeah, you know, I was a little disappointed that Kirk in the body of Janice Lester is trying to convince people on the ship that he is Kirk mm-hmm. in, in this body. And he finally does convince Spock and actually uh, bones bones has a weird, the whole thing with bones is weird in this episode, I think, because it, he just doesn't seem to really know what he thinks. Right. Until he, Be, because he's trying to trust in the science. Yeah, he, exactly. Which I thought was really, which I, I think is very bones like, but it was just, it was interesting the way they did it. Uh-huh. But the thing that disappointed me is that Kirk is trying to get Spock to understand that this is him and this woman's body. But the only way Spock believes him is they is he mind melds with him. Right. And I, I think it would have been so much better had he just talked, you know, convinced they talked him. a little more. But and it, he convinced hey, remember that time that this happened? Who, yeah. who else would know this? Yeah, which he did, he, but he, he tried, was, but but he mentioned things that would have been on record. Anybody, he yeah. he could have talked about some stuff that was personal with him and Spock, which would have yeah. been a good character building moment for the series. Exactly. So I was a little disappointed in that, but then you know they take that once Spock knows who he is, then they take that and in the trial when he stands up, nobody else believes this. I mean, even you know they they. Uh, there's a shot of Chekhov. I think is Sulu in that episode too. Is Chekhov and Sulu? I think uh, because all the officers yeah, they're, are in the. Everyone but Uhura is in the episode. Yeah, because Uhura is not in this episode for right. some reason, and they have a different communications officer. And sh- uh, so even at, at some t- you know, sh- when Kirk and this woman's body tries to convince them who he is you know, everybody kind of laughs, you know, and Kirk is like, Oh, whatever, you know, yeah. and Janice and Kirk's body is, it really reminds me of, uh, you know, he was just gaslighting everybody and making it seem like or she was gaslighting everybody trying to make it seem like this person's crazy. You can't believe what they're saying. And even the officers sitting there snickering to each other. And I thought that was it was interesting. You know, it showed a side because you would think that these Starfleet officers would take this seriously, even though they think it's absurd, but they didn't, you know, they were just kind of laughing. And I thought that was right. I thought that was weird. Yeah. It, how, it, it felt really uncomfortable watching yeah. because it's like, okay, I, I understand them finding it far fetched, like hard to believe that he's not Kirk, but to actually be laughing along as he's mocking this other person. It just seemed, yeah, yeah that was, that was, was out of character. You know, the, yeah. Maybe Chekhov, because Chekhov tended to be kind of a jackass sometimes anyway. Now, those, I mean, those those he guys, they, they just kind of giggled a little. It was the security guys that were just like practically high-fiving over it. Yeah, know? yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. It, was, um, it still seemed a little weird to me. Let's, let's talk about Shatner's acting in this episode. Oh, man. A, a lot of people, uh, you know, they, they think of him as like a really cheesy 
actor, you know, maybe even a bad actor or whatever. But like, I, I actually think that he does a fantastic job in this episode as playing a different person in his body. You know, his, his mannerisms, the way he walks, the, all the things he does are different when he's Lester. Yeah, and uh, I agree. And there's a lot of little, just little details that they do in this episode, like where he's filing his nails and yeah. stuff like that. I, I just think that it's it's really interesting and and you know just a really good job on everybody's part. I mean, Chatner, yeah. the you know director well, or whatever, you know, like. I, I think in the original series, Shatner had a tendency to overplay things, especially when they were a little overboard. But in this case, I think, I mean, I think he's, he's still Shatner, but just like you said, he's distinctly different. It's like in um, the enemy within, Yeah, you know, when he plays. Yeah. The two different Kirks, they're very different. Very different. And it's very, they're very distinct. If you put these three Kirks next to each other, you could, you can tell they're different, which is, uh, you know, it's a, um, a, it's not easy to do as an actor. I, I think that he's a much better actor than he gets credit for most of the time. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I, I really, really liked him in this episode, mainly because he was, they were able to kind of just let him loose a little bit and mm-hmm. kind of like play around with like being somebody else, like mm-hmm. trapped inside his body or whatever. But again, like like you mentioned with like in the, in the enemy within, he was able to get that evil out basically except well yeah. sort, of, sort of like his like his like counterpart in mirror mirror that we didn't really get to see enough of in my opinion in that episode oh, yeah yeah but yeah in the, in this episode it was kind of neat to see the both of them actually that they and shatner and the actress that played janice lester like be able to kind of like play somebody different but still themselves yeah, yeah she was as, as kirk she she was very subdued um i thought but yeah. when she, when the when they switched back and they were back in their bodies which the the special effects for that are pretty hilarious. <laughs> yeah the pretty Swapping. cheesy effects in this episode yeah so that that was the, funny the budget was getting low but she i mean she is you know when she switches back very heightened obviously not mentally stable <laughs> yeah uh, the actress's name is Sandra Smith, and I, I think that her her portrayal of Kirk was pretty good. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, it, there were even some moments where she almost was doing like the Shatner when she was talking, <laughs> yeah. like just in a couple of scenes, a little bit. But overall, I think that you know, playing like the the straight, like you know, serious whatever, and then switching to like losing her mind at the end because she's failed to do what she wanted to do you know i think that it, you know that's a really big contrast and it shows that you know i mean i think she's a definitely a good actress so this is also a very anticlimactic episode yeah because they basically have in a cell they're all in prison because they're back in the you know who they know is the captain mm-hmm. or who they believe is the captain it's kirk and mccoy and spock and scotty scotty so they're you know they're they're all on board with who the captain really is. And for some reason, this transference starts to weaken at some point. You see him, you know, yeah, she's they, on the... they start to switch back for a second. Yeah, yeah, like Kirk is on the, well... On the bridge. Janice in Kirk's body is on the bridge, and he's elsewhere in, in this he's cell. In the brig. In the brig, and they start to transfer, and then they don't. But then, 
they get, you know, the doctor is, is like, you have to, we have to kill him before, otherwise you're going to transfer back. And then they, it's just really convoluted about, you know, they take her out of the brig and she's there in Kirk's body. And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, and then they yeah. transfer back. It's just like, yeah. what? Out of just, nowhere. Well, like, that, like, like apparently that body transference only lasts for so long. Yeah. yeah and, and, unless you kill the other person and then you get to keep the body. Yeah, so it, that part is just and that's that's why she keeps drive. trying to kill herself throughout yeah. the episode because she wants transference <laughs> yeah. to stay. Which so I, mean, I I thought was a little odd that she was so easy and quick to destroy her body that she has had for her entire life. Like yeah. Yeah. immediately, like I don't care about that anymore. That's not me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it, and you'd think that if once you do this transference, you have a couple options. You can kill the person that used to be you, so you get to be who you want to be, or you switch back and people find out and you're going to go to prison or whatever. So you would think there'd be more of a sense of urgency to get this person dead. Right. Well, well, she she did try to, to kill herself. Not very hard. But immediately yeah, at not, the beginning of the episode, well. she, there was a lot of exposition there that could have been cut out and just you know with the, with the scarf. Yeah, the yeah. So I'm just saying that you know if if she really wanted to be Kirk, she could have been, and she just she didn't try hard enough. She screwed it up, man. She did. But she so, got no one to blame but herself. <laughs> so there there are a few redeeming qualities in this episode mainly in in the acting and i mean there's some very entertaining parts like the, the whole trial as bizarre as it is is very yeah. entertaining to watch well it's it's entertaining yeah. especially to watch considering you get to see captain kirk captain kirk in quotes ordering the execution of like all the main characters yeah. which i mean had yeah. that been the actual finale and they were killed, that would have been an ultimate wow like, that, series series that, end. That would have been yeah, crazy. Right. <laughs> we're we're killing all of our main characters, including the mind of Captain Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> but everybody dies. Uh, someone pretending to be Captain Kirk is going to continue from here, but we're not going to follow that because <laughs> we're done. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, so I I think there are a lot better episodes but I, I i don't think this deserves to be as reviled as it is outside of outside of this misogyny the horrible misogyny it's certainly yeah. not the 79th episode on no. our list i mean it's, it's it might be in, in the bottom 10 but it's not the very bottom <laughs> yeah. I, th I, th I think another reason people really don't like this episode is because it's like truly the series finale of the original series right and yeah. it's like it's like it, it wasn't meant to be. So they weren't like trying to wrap anything up. They weren't trying to like, you know, give any kind of closure of any kind. It's just like, boom, that's that's it. You get you get this crap fest. Yeah, it has kind of a really bummer. Like the ending is kind of a it's it's just like, you know, it's not a shot of the ship. No. It's just Kirk and probably Scotty or uh, Spock and Bones going to this turbo lift. And that's it. It's that's over. It. It's like we're, we're going to go reflect in our own personal quarters and don't talk to me for at yeah, least right. two days. <laughs> After this traumatic experience. Right. Need some alone time. My ex-girlfriend just tried to murder murder me in her body. Yeah, right. I'm going to need some time. 
So in, in the third season, they use this sound a few times. Uh, in this episode, it's, it's during the mind meld. Uh-huh. And uh, it, I just wanted to point it out. It's, it's this like cool bass riff. It's just like real. You'll, you'll have to insert that into the episode. It's like, it's like really laid back, but it's just like this bass guitar playing just the, these notes. And uh, they do it like during like mind melds and other sort of like weird moments, mostly in the third season. But I, I just wanted to point it out because I think it's a really cool like use of a bass guitar. So that's going to be in the song, right? Uh, it is now. Yeah, it's going to have to be there. <laughs> I call bass. <laughs> oh yeah, because Mike because Mike's writing turnabout intruder. So yep. yeah, he's yeah. he start he's Mike started off year one with the cage, and now he's going to end year five, the end of the TOS run. Yep. With turnabout intruder. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, nice bookend. Did you plan that? I hoped for it, and it happened. <laughs> Is, is Noah opening this album? He is. Tholian Web, right? Yeah, yeah with the Tholian Web, yep. That's one of the demos he sent in November. Yeah, I remember that. <clears throat> What's the other one? I don't remember. The other one was. Oh, the other song. The other one's said, the but... one that he's going to rewrite. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I yeah, I think I remember really liking Tholian so Web. So just a couple more things with Turnabout Intruder. We get the return of Angela. Oh, and yeah, that's right. She had, we haven't seen her since Shore Leave. And mm-hmm. suddenly she's Season back one. and now she's on the bridge. She's a uh, communications moving up in the world, wearing red instead of blue. <laughs> you mean like, Oh, that's Angela. Yes. It's, it's yeah. the same actress as in, yeah. Uh, uh, as in uh, a balance Robert. of terror, Angela. <laughs> Poor Robert. <laughs> <sighs> the other thing I want to mention was, was the captain's logs. In this episode. Oh, man. Yeah. First of all, <laughs> why is Janice Lester recording a captain's log revealing all of her secrets and deception yeah. <laughs> on putting it on record? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, why? Why is it? She does it a few times. And then the other time is there's a captain's log in Janice Lester's voice and it's Captain Kirk as recording. Kirk, yeah. How did he record a captain's log as Janice Lester? Well, and I, think it was, <laughs> I think it was more of like, more of like a captain's mental note. If you notice <laughs> when Kirk in Janice's body first wakes up, because at first he, he's almost catatonic uh-huh. and he wakes oh, up and he's dream. speaking with this woman's voice and still doesn't realize that he's in a different body. But also, but also still, still doing like the Shatnerian commas. Yeah. Must be a bad dream. At one point she looks at her hand, like whose hand is this? I'm like, you've just been talking for five minutes. Are are you not listening to your own voice? (laughs) I mean, what do you think? Did you think you were on helium while you were, passed out i don't understand what's happening here and then you know she looks in the mirror like oh my god i'm a woman yeah that's where that voice <laughs> is coming from i thought i just thought that that part took me out of the episode it's like come yeah. on a little much and according to memory alpha i was just scrolling through there because i was wondering why nichelle nichols wasn't in the episode and we got angela martine in the communications chair the reason that nichelle nichols wasn't there is because she had a singing engagement 
And so she couldn't make filming that day. Interesting. Can you imagine you're Nichelle Nichols and you're thinking, oh, you know what? I'll be in the next episode. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right after they finished, like they wrapped the episode, they learned that they weren't coming back. Right. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it might have even been during filming of the episode. It, yeah. I, I think you're right. Oh, yeah. Because according to Memory Alpha, it says even as filming was wrapping up, crew members were dismantling the Enterprises. Yeah. That's just sad. Sad to think yeah. about. It's like, well, we're done. Let's, uh, we, we got we, we got a lot of a lot of turnover here at this restaurant. So we're going to we're going to need the table. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, that was a big p- a part of her life. And so I'm sure she was very happy when they asked her to come back for once they started doing the movies, you know, kind of, Oh, you know, I, I get to actually be in the last, whatever it's going to be. So in, in a lot of the third season, Shatner wears a corset, Uh huh. but he must've been working out or something for this episode because there's that he had the shirtless yeah. thing for the uh yeah, yeah and the... He, he actually looks pretty good like he looks in shape he doesn't look like yeah. you know so he must have must have been trying to get back in shape like bill we're gonna we're gonna have you shirtless in this episode and we're gonna have you shirt shirtless a lot next season so you need to get in the shape before next <laughs> <season. Yeah. laughs> you're gonna be tj hooker one day you better you better start working out now right Oh, and I think I think I finally figured out why Star Star Trek way wound up getting canceled after after this episode. It was like it was like a precurse, not a precursor, but it was a precurse. Precurse because uh, according to uh, these are the voyages, Gene Roddenberry had a, had a special guest on with with him touring the set that day because he was he was just starting, he was getting interested in acting. Can you guess who who was on set that day with Gene Roddenberry being being escorted around? O.J. Simpson. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so weird. That explains so much. So he, he toured totally. the set the, during the filming of this episode. During the filming of this episode. That is weird. Yeah. Yep. Oh, and then, and then uh, uh, according to this also, O.J. Simpson was witness to the cast being told that this, this series was ending. Really? What yeah. a weird person to be there. He yeah, was standing uh, there with Gene Roddenberry when when the cast was told. That's weird. That is awkward. <laughs> we have officially launched the Five Year Mission Patreon. On there, you can see posts with pictures and videos of behind the scenes shenanigans with the band and the podcast. There are different levels you can sign up for where you'll get exclusive merch and videos and unreleased tracks and demos and other stuff from the band and the podcast that you wouldn't normally get if you didn't follow us on Patreon. The different tiers you get to choose from go from Ensign all the way up to Admiral. And one of the perks of being an Admiral is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. This week's producers are Neil Carpenter, Debbie Rinke, Helen Lake, Carol Jones, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Madison Rachel Jones, Becky and Roxy, and of course... Jim Morehouse. So head over to the Five Year Mission Patreon right now and sign up as an admiral, and your name could be listed at the end of the next episode of Five Year Mission the Podcast. Just go to patreon.com slash five year mission. That's the number five year mission. Fancy 
Sunsets.com is your home for all things pop culture pin related. You should know this by now. I talk about it every single week here on Five Year Mission, the podcast. But they have everything from Harry Potter and Firefly to everything Star Trek. As a matter of fact, my kids and I uh, are about to start finishing up season two of Star Trek Discovery right now. And I had them flip through the Fansets.com website and they've chose as their favorite pins uh, the episodic pin, The Butcher's Knife Cares Not for the Lamb's Cry with Ripper, and the also The Sound of Thunder featuring Saru. And uh, little did they know that I already placed those two pins in my cart and I'm going to use the special discount code Five Year Mission. That's the number five. And then all caps year mission and so then the boys over at fansets.com will be sending those here to my house and the kids will be able to wear those with pride as soon as they can get back to school what do you think of that guys yay good good. that's the kind of enthusiasm i like to see in a fansets.com ad good job guys If you uh, haven't seen these episodes in a while, maybe it's time to watch them again. So that's going to wrap up this episode of Five Year Mission, the podcast. Tune in next time. I have no clue what we're doing yet. We'll probably discuss that after we hit stop on the recording. So until then, send us some ideas. Thank you for listening to this episode of Five Your Mission, the podcast. If any of you are interested in listening to more of our music, you can check us out on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five Year Mission and we should be the first thing that comes up. If you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. And for more information about the band, you can go to fiveyearmission.net and also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thank you.